0: Well, join me in prayer this morning. Father, we do thank you that not only for children, uh, but us older kids, too. Uh, you, you give us the things that are best for us. You, you created us. You know us inside and out. And uh, you, you created this thing called human life. And uh, you do. You are there for us to take care of us and to guide us. We thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that you would guide us through this message today, Uh, open our eyes and ears to what you would speak to our hearts, and help us to walk in it, Lord, for your glory and for your praise. We thank you, and we praise you, in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Well, I want to start a new series this morning, and this is probably one of the most important series that I have done, one that I believe is going to help us both as individuals and as a church, to be both the salt and the light that God has called us to be in this world. You and I are living in a time when our culture is changing significantly, a lot more rapidly than uh, at least I realized uh, would happen. When something like gender, which has been understood One way for thousands of years is now seen by many in whole new ways. Not something preordained in the womb or by God, uh, but something fluid, something changeable. Uh, Not something um, uh, pre-biological, not something biological, but attitudinal, right? Not something determined by a person's genes, but by their preferences. And this is really uh, part of a larger shift and attitude in our culture uh, concerning who and what we are as human beings and how we relate to one another. And not just here in the United States, but in other countries, other places around the world. And this is something that you and I will, if we have not already, uh, engage with in some way, shape, or form, whether personally or professionally. So I I think we as Christians need wisdom from the Lord on how to navigate uh, through these times in our culture. Two big questions for us in the church as followers of Jesus Christ. One, how do we understand these things in light of scripture? We who have come to know and understand the word of God to be the inspired Word of God, right? God breathed um, useful, as it says in Timothy, for instruction in righteousness, that which is good and right in the eyes of God. So how do we see things as Jesus sees them? And number two, how do we interact then with our culture as Jesus would have us to do? Let me simplify that for you. How do we think like Jesus and how do we act like Jesus? We're his follow he's called us to follow him, right? So how do we do that? The answer is we need to look at Jesus, right? We need to see things as we look at him uh, as he came and walked among us. John chapter one, beginning of verse fourteen, says this: And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to entitle this series of messages, Grace and Truth. Grace and Truth. The Word became flesh, right? We've talked about this before. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is. Jesus Christ. He's called many things in the scripture, isn't he? He's called the good shepherd, for example. He's called the manna from heaven. He's called the way, the truth, and the life. All ways that Jesus uh, interacts with us in our humanness, right? All descriptions of how he relates to us. So, he is called here the word. Right. In other words, God had a message that he wanted to communicate to his creation, something from the beginning, and ultimately that message was communicated through Jesus Christ. As he comes, as he teaches, as he heals, as he touches the lives of people from the pious and well-known religious leader named Nicodemus, to the uh, very rich but inwardly empty tax collector named Zacchaeus, to the prostitute just trying to put food on her table. Their lives all changed by encountering the Son of God. To anyone with ears to hear, he reached through the uh, religiosity, the externals of life, the religiosity. He he reached through the, the wealth of this world. He reached through the baggage and the brokenness, and he touched hearts. Right? He brought new life to human hearts who had not understood before this that God loved them that God wanted to have a relationship with them, to bless them, to renew them from the inside out. Jesus communicated that message. Um, And and the scriptures say that he came full of grace and truth. Now, I believe it's on purpose that those words are in the order that they are. Because grace must be the foundation of of truth jesus in his very first miracle of turning the water into wine right what was that all about jesus showed this unnamed peasant couple that the almighty god of the universe actually cared that they ran out of wine at their wedding now whether that was because of poor planning or lack of finances That running out of wine in your wedding in that culture was a a huge social faux pas, right? They would have been uh, seen, you know, sideways for years to come. Very, very socially embarrassing. And you know what? God cared about that situation. God loved them. God reached into that situation and miraculously made provision for them again just an unknown peasant couple their names are not even mentioned they weren't very important people god cared about them jesus also in his ministry he made the lame to walk and the blind to see right over and over and over jesus met people in their need, in their everyday life, in their problems and challenges and difficulties. And he met them with God's grace, revealing a God of love and compassion. And on that foundation of grace, Jesus spoke truth. The very first thing that Jesus began to preach, the Bible says, was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Not the kingdom of a God who uh, of judgment who demands that you straighten out your life or else. Right? What did He just demonstrated as He touched their lives over and over and over again? No, this is a God who loves you, a God who cares about you individually, a God who meets you right where you're at and wants to show you what you can what He can do in your life if you just open your heart to Him. That kingdom is at hand. The word repent, you know, we hear that word, we we think of the guys on the street corners with the sandwich board. Repent, you're all going to hell. You know, uh, is is that what? No, repent does not mean to feel bad and stop all your evil behaviors because God's mad at you. No, the word repent speaks of an inner change of mind and heart. Built on a foundation of grace, what was Jesus saying? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, think. He's saying, I want you to understand this God is a God of love, a God of compassion, a God who cares about you, a God who knows your needs, who wants to meet you in the challenges of life, a God who can bring healing to the broken places in your life. A God who wants not your stiff obedience, but who wants your heart and wants to show His heart to you. Grace was the foundation for His appearance in the first place, wasn't it? The Bible says that God so loved the world. We all know that verse, right? He gave His only begotten Son. A world marked by sin and rebellion. Against God, a broken world full of envy and greed and lust and injustice and on and on it went. God so loved that world with all the problems that he sent his only son with a message that Jesus communicated not only by his life, but maybe more, definitely more, in his death. Through his willingness to take upon himself not only the sin of mankind as a whole, but my sin and your sin. In God's righteousness and justice, he had to judge that sin, didn't he? How many of us would, would uh, see a defendant come against a judge and the judge finds them guilty of murder and says, well, I'm having a good day, go ahead. Bye, see ya. No, He would be unjust, right? God in His justice has to judge sin. Or He would be Himself unjust. But instead of requiring it from us, Isaiah 53 says, He laid all that iniquity upon Him, upon Jesus. Why? So that He could eliminate that which separated us from Him along with all of the guilt and all of the shame so that we could enter into that personal, life-giving relationship with Him. Grace started it all, didn't it? And building on that foundation of grace, Jesus spoke truth. perfect example is the Gospel account of the woman caught in adultery. First... What does Jesus do? He shows God's grace. He literally saves her life from being stoned to death. What did he do? He silenced all her condemners by saying, whichever is among you is without sin, let them cast the first stone. Right? And when the humbled crowd disbands, Jesus turns to the woman, looking at her with the love and compassion of God, And says, John 8, verse 10, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. He saves her life. Right? He saves her life. Then he, speaking as God in the flesh, says in essence, Listen, you're standing before me now. A proven sinner. And and, and you know what? She kind of represents everybody here, doesn't she? Standing before God, convicted as a sinner. And what does he say? I'm not condemning you. I'm showing you mercy and grace. Notice here something I I only just recently saw. She calls him Lord you see that? She calls Him Lord. More than likely, she had heard about Jesus, heard about His miracles, maybe heard about some of His teachings, maybe was even part of the crowd at some point. But now, she has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And she understands. And she acknowledges Him, calling Him Lord. This God of grace and mercy. And yet with grace also comes truth. He doesn't excuse or approve what she did, but clearly identifies it as sin and calls her to forsake it. Go and sin no more. And what is sin after all? What is sin, right? You and I, we teach our children, see that pretty red glowing thing on top of the stove there? Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Why? Because we love them. We care about them, right? We want them not to be hurt, but to thrive in life. And because our wisdom and our knowledge is greater than theirs, we give them rules and we give them boundaries to help them in life, don't we? And likewise, God in His love And in His wisdom that is as high above ours as as the heavens are above the earth, right? He gives us guidelines and boundaries in life, identifying certain behaviors as sin in order to help us. Think about the Ten Commandments for a minute. Just, you know, the original ten, right? What are the results of lies, stealing, adultery, Murder are the results of all that, right? Pain, heartache, loss, grief, death. Right? Yeah. God, our perfect Father, the one, again, who created this whole thing we call humanity, he knows what is best for us to this woman Jesus first demonstrates the love and care of God and he reveals the mercy and grace of God and from this personal encounter now this woman comes to repentance she comes to that change of mind and heart i see him for who he is not this but his love his grace his mercy his compassion and she says you are my Lord. right? She has that inner change in her heart. And Jesus says to her, in essence, now I want you to walk in that grace. I want you to walk in that mercy. I want you to walk in that forgiveness. I want you to walk in that new relationship that you have with God. A God who loves you. And from there, leave the past behind. Go now and sin No more. Are you with me? After Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, Matthew tells us, healing every kind of disease and affliction among the people, Jesus then speaks to a whole culture, right, who who thought that their religion, that their outward actions, that their being good enough uh, was enough. And Jesus said, you know, You've heard that it was said, Thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, anyone who hates another is guilty of murder in their hearts. He says, You've heard that it was said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. What was he saying? Okay, so he's, he's, he's demonstrated the love of God, right? So what is he saying in all that? He's saying, yes, I love you. I care about you. But you have to understand the real issue here. It's not your outward actions. It's not somehow that if the good outweighs the bad that, 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 that you're okay. No, it's deeper and more serious than that the truth that Jesus was trying to get them and us to understand is that it's a heart issue. The real issue is in here. And if we will look deep enough and serious enough, we'll see that there is a restlessness, that there is an emptiness inside, an emptiness that we as human beings try to fill any way, satisfy any way that we can with money, With power, with fame, with adrenaline, with sex, with non-traditional marriage, with changing our gender, with religion and self-righteousness, with body image, with self-help, with self-medication, and on and on and on the list goes. We are just trying to fill that emptiness. We're trying to satisfy that restlessness. And Jesus knows what we really need is him. What we really need is him. That which was lost in the Garden of Eden needs to come back into play. We need to reestablish that relationship with God that we were created for in the very beginning. John chapter 3 verse 17 says for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world right justly condemned yeah for 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 sin and everything yeah yeah we all deserved it but jesus did not come to condemn us but in order that the world might be saved through him yes the world was and is full of sin Injustice, brokenness, all kinds of evil. But Jesus did not come with condemnation. He came with solution. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we need both, by the way. We need both. All grace and no truth, what does that do? It just perpetuates the problem, doesn't it? Oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And people just keep doing what they're doing, right? No. All truth and no grace, what does that do? Well, church, we're pretty expert at that through the years, aren't we? All truth and no grace, all that does is alienate people. Makes us look holier than thou, turns people off to church and church people. Because, you know, the church is all full of hypocrites, right? Isn't that what they say? Why? All truth and no grace. Not willing to ourselves be truthful and vulnerable about our own struggles and issues and problems, right? We need them both. Grace and truth. Because grace and truth in that order reveals the heart of God, opens the heart of people so that they can enter into that life-giving, life-changing relationship with Him that He's created us for. Amen. Finally, finding then what it is that we really need. Him. And then by His working and moving and that relationship in us, transforming our lives from the inside out grace and truth we'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks here amen let's pray jesus thank you so much for modeling to us god you were the one who said if you've seen me you've seen the father you didn't come with a whip You didn't come uh, with, with anger and malice and revenge. You opened blind eyes, literally and figuratively. Deaf ears, literally and figuratively. You touched hearts. You met people that the world had given up on, especially religious people had given up on them. And you touched them. And you brought people out of ruts that they had been in for years and years and years and gave them a new life. You reveal to us this God of love and compassion that cares deeply for us individually. And now, Lord, help us first of all if we have not, if, if we've seen you as a God of judgment or we've seen you as a God of rules, help us, th- th- those that are here, those that are listening online, to say, wait a minute, there is a different God, <laughs> a God that, that, that Jesus taught us about. That's the God I want to know. And if you're here in the sound of my voice and you have not met that God Personally, I invite you to do that right now. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open that door, I will come in and dine with them and they with me. It's a a picture of fellowship, two close friends coming together. That's what he wants. And if you have not experienced that, I invite you to say, Jesus, I'm opening that door right now. I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me, taking my sins upon yourself, wiping that out so I can come brand new into a relationship with you. I don't understand it all, but I want to. Teach me what it is to know you, really know you, not just about you, but really know you and walk with you each and every day. God, you know my hurts, my pains, my my failures, the wounds at the hands of others, I look to you, the healer, to touch my heart and to make me whole. Do your work in me, Lord, for your glory. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this. And Lord, those of us who profess your name to be followers of you, help us to be people of grace and people of truth. And so be like Jesus and help to change lives for your glory. In your awesome name, all God's family said, amen.